although it's been said many times, many ways, we want to wish each and every one of you a very, very Merry Christmas. And we know that this has been an unusual Christmas for all of us, but there's still many, many things to be thankful for. And we're so thankful that during this season, as we do this series called Prepare Him Room, that we realize that in Jesus, there is hope, there is faith, there's joy, there's peace, there's love. And with that in mind today, it's my pleasure to give you the final episode of this message series called Prepare Him Room. I want to encourage you right now to take a look at Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah 9 in the Old Testament, verses 6 and 7. If there's one passage we've looked at more than any other passage this Christmas, it's this one. And this was written 700 years before Christ was even born. But it was a man, a prophet called Isaiah, who was predicting the birth of Jesus. And this is what he wrote. Would you read it with me in a big, loud voice? Wherever you're watching right now, help me preach in this place. Say, what does it say? It says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Will you read with me verse six one more time? It says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. See, Isaiah chapter nine, verse six is one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible. And verse six, what we just read, identifies four names by which Jesus would one day be called. These are also four roles that Jesus plays in our lives. He is wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. He is everlasting father and he is prince of peace. And in this series called Prepare Him Room, as we talk about how we unwrap and how we unpack hope, faith, joy, peace, and love, we've been learning that first because Jesus is mighty God because Jesus is in control, because he's always writing a greater story, because nothing is greater than him, we can have hope because Jesus is mighty God. Second, because Jesus is our wonderful counselor, because you can trust every word that Jesus says, because no one gives counsel like Jesus and no one backs up his counsel like Jesus with the wonders and miracles that he does. You can have faith in your wonderful counselor. His name is Jesus. And third, because Jesus showed us who our everlasting father is, how you have a father in heaven who loves you just the way you are, who loves you with an everlasting love, who will never leave you or forsake you, who he does everything he can to relieve you of your biggest burden. Because you have that everlasting father, we have every reason to have joy. And then finally, because Jesus is our prince of peace, we can know a peace that is bigger than our circumstances, that's bigger than our problems. In fact, you know, if you missed any of that, let me recap it once again to make it super, super clear because this is what I've been doing this whole series. And so make sure you get it. Is that first, because Jesus is mighty God, we can have hope. Because Jesus is our wonderful counselor, we can have faith. Because Jesus is our everlasting father, we can have joy. And because Jesus is our prince of peace, we can have peace. Would you give God a big hand in this place together right now? That's where all that comes from. It all comes from Jesus. Where do you find hope, faith, joy, and peace? 
you find it in Jesus Christ. See, Jesus came at Christmas to be our mighty God, to be our everlasting father, to be our wonderful counselor, to be our prince of peace, so that you could know hope, faith, joy, and peace in your life. And that's why we changed the lyrics to that very famous Christmas song. And we said, we had Cece sing it beautifully, is that we said, and we know Christ was born this day, and he's got gifts greater than toys to give away, like hope and faith, joy, peace, and love, amazing grace that comes from heaven high above. Because all these things, hope, faith, joy, peace, you get them from Jesus. If you're needing that today, you get them from Jesus. Why was God willing to give us all these things? It's because God loves you and he made you for a relationship with him. That is why, is that gifts like hope, faith, joy, and peace, God makes these gifts available because he loves you and me. Turn your name and say, God loves you. God loves you. John 3, 16, 17 says this. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This final message in this series called Prepare Him Room, I call it, love you through it. What Christmas teaches us about love. Turn your and say, God will love you through it. God will love you through it. God will love you through whatever it is you may be going through right now. And I'm here to let you know that at the very heart of God is love, is that everything God does is motivated, empowered, and driven by love. This was never more the case than at Christmas when God sent Jesus Christ to be born to this world. See, the reason why Jesus Christ was born wasn't so you just have a stat holiday. The reason why Jesus Christ was born into this world is so that you would know what love is and know that God loves you. See, when, whenever, for example, my sons would go to school and I'd be the one sending my sons to school or whenever it's time for them to go to bed and I'd be the one putting them to bed. Uh, there's always something I will invariably say to them each time. And this comes like naturally, it's like a habit nowadays. I'll, I'll put them to bed or I'll send them to school and say, okay, all right, love you, Bradley, or love you, Caleb. And that's the kind of just the natural thing that I'll say to them every time we say goodbye in that kind of way. And not all the time, but from time to time, they'll actually reply and say, I love you too, daddy. I love you too. And you know, sometimes my younger one, Caleb, he'll even say, I love you too, even before I say, I love you. Maybe he just assumes that I've already said it, or he's heard it enough times from me that he assumes that I've already said it. So he just says, I love you too. And see, do, do, you know, why do I mention that? It's that actually means a lot to me when he says, I love you too. Because as his dad, more than anything, more than ABCs, more than math, more than science, more than geography, what I want my kids to know more than anything is that I love them that I love them with all my heart. And likewise, if there's one thing that God wants you to know, it's that he loves you. And in fact, we call the Bible God's love letter to us because God loves you unlike anyone ever could love you. First John 4, 9 says it this way. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. See, the reason Jesus Christ was sent to this world is so that you could know what love really is and also know that you are loved. You are loved by an amazing God. You know, my wife, Charlene, and I, we've been married for 18 years now. I know you look at us and we look, man, you look 18. Oh, thank you so much. You know, but the fact is that we've been married for 18 years now. Charlene, she's my best friend. She's the love of my life. And, you know, she loves me back. You know, I love her with all my heart. But, but here's the thing is uh, like all couples, you know, like any close relationship, are there times when there's tension? Yes, of course. Are there times when we don't get along? Of course. Are there times when we argue and even fight? Of course there are. But here's the practical question. What do you do to make peace 
when that happens. When things are tense, when you're not getting along, what do you do to make peace? Can I tell you a little secret today? And uh, uh, you know, my embarrassment, our embarrassment for your edification here, we've, we've got a little thing here, is that between Shar and me, is that because we love each other, and because the last thing we want is to stay distant from one another forever, when Charlene and I go through a day when we're not getting along, as a way to relieve the tension, as a way to show the other person that I'm ready to make up with you and make peace with you, one of us will give the other a peace sign. Do you know that? We'll give each other a peace. Do you want to see what the peace sign is? All right. Uh, we used to do this a lot more when we were younger, when we first got married. We don't do it as much now, but sometimes we still do it. Is, you know what that peace sign is? The peace sign is not this, all right? It's, 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 just, it's not this. It's not, it's not peace. Um, you know, I used to live in Taiwan. This is how everyone takes pictures. Like, oh, you know, this way. You know, um, but it's, not the, it's not this peace sign. It's certainly not dropping the index finger because that's, that's another sign altogether that, that you don't want to do that one. Um, it, it's, it's not, you know, handshake. It's not high five. It's not a hug. Do you know what our peace sign is? When one of us wants to make peace with the other uh, and we're ready to say, you know, I'm ready to move on, uh, you know, what, what the peace sign is? Our peace sign is this. We'll go like this. When the other person's not expecting, we'll go, Hey, hey, we'll stick our tongue out at the other person. And I know you might think that's a little childish. I know you might think it's a little, like a little immature, a little, a little silly, maybe a little cute. I don't care what you think of it. Because you know what? Whenever I see that peace sign from Shar come out, I'm like, oh, a weight gets off my shoulders. Because I know that the one I love is ready to make peace with me. And we might still have stuff we need to talk about. We might still have some tears to shed. We might still have some issues to work through. But I know that we're ready and on our way to making peace. And why do I mention this weird peace sign that Charlene and I do together? It's because at Christmas, do you know God gave you a peace sign? And that peace sign is this, is that when we were in a conflict with God, when there was tension between us and God, so much so that the Bible says that we were separated from God because of our sins, that when each of us had done, said, and, and thought things that actually hurt God, that hurt God's heart, that they don't just break his laws, but they hurt his heart. And because of that, there was a distance between us and God. Even though we're the ones who offended God, God went out of his way to give us a peace sign to say, I want to make peace with you. And what was that peace sign? It wasn't, you know, this. It wasn't sticking his tongue out. But what was the sign, the peace sign that God gave to you and to me? Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 12. What does it say? It says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? To show that God was ready to make peace with us, God gave us a sign, a peace sign. And what was that peace sign? Get this, God didn't come as some terrorist ready to strike us down. God didn't come as some judge ready to condemn us. God didn't come as some lawyer in an expensive suit giving you a notice of termination saying, get out of here, I don't want you in my life anymore. Instead, God came as a crying, cooing, fragile, gentle, tender baby ready to be embraced and held by us. Why? It's because God wants to make peace with you and me. And why does God want peace between us and him? It's because he loves you. You're the one he loves. And see, what does this all teach us about Christmas? Today, I want to tell you five lessons that we can learn 
about what love is and in particular what God's love is like for you and for me through the birth of Jesus Christ. What does the birth of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago teach us anything about love? Let's learn five ways that God loves you and me and how we learn that through Christmas. I hope you write these things down and if you're someone who wants to be better at loving others in your life, then I hope you'll write these down and say, you know, God, help me to be more like this as well. Are you guys ready? Five lessons that Jesus' birth teaches us about love. Write this down. Number one, God's love anticipates our needs. God's love anticipates our needs. You see, the thing about love is that it's proactive. It's not passive and just kind of sits there, but it's active. It wants to do something. Love sees a need and does something about that need. You know, when I was a lot younger, you know, when I was maybe, what, 18, 19, 20 years old, and I was still living at home with my parents, there'd be times when I'd come home really, really late. And there'd be times when, you know, I'd be going home and it's dark. And this is something my mom would do every single time I came home. You know what she would do? Is that whenever I'm walking to the house and uh, I am going up the stairs to the door, because my mom was afraid that maybe I didn't have the key or I misplaced the key, she would do this all the time because maybe I'm a forgetful person. She's like, you know what? In case you forgot the key, what it's going to do, as I'm walking up the stairs, I can hear her running down the stairs. No matter how late it might be, maybe 8, 11 p.m., could be 1 a.m., maybe 3 a.m., and she will run down this. I can hear her footsteps even now running down the stairs. And before I can even get to the door with my key, she will open the door for me and say, hey, welcome home. That's, you know, a proactive, anticipatory kind of love. And, you know, I, I can even imagine this, is because she would always do it. She would always open the door for me. I could imagine this, is that if, if things go as planned, you know, God willing, you know, one day my mom will be in heaven before I'll, be, I'll get there. And I just think to myself, one day when it's time for me to go home and go to heaven. I know there's no biblical precedent for this, but this is just a, you know, maybe a cute, corny idea that I've got. But, you know, I just think to myself, one day when I go home to heaven, just maybe, maybe, just maybe, the one who's going to open the door and let me in is my mom. And just go, hey, welcome home. And, but why do I mention that? It's because Christmas is when we didn't have a key to heaven's door. God came down and he opened the door for us. That is Christmas. Is that when we had no way of getting into heaven ourselves, we didn't have the key. God came down and he opened the door for you and for me. He anticipated our need. 2,000 years before you were even born, 2,000 years before you even knew you needed a savior, God provided for our biggest need when he sent Jesus Christ for us. It's because love anticipates. Love anticipates the needs of the one they love. Romans 5 verse 6 says it this way. It says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. If you have that in front of you, you would underline those words at just the right time. See, at just the right time, God provided for our greatest need. God anticipated what we needed way before we even knew we needed and he provided. And if God can provide for our greatest need, which is our need to be saved from our sin, a need for a savior, a need for someone to open the door that we couldn't open. If God provided for that greatest need, how will he not also be able to provide for all the other smaller needs of your life? Amen. See, Jesus even says, seek first God's kingdom and he will add what? He will add everything you need. It's because God is a God who anticipates the needs of those he loves. He anticipates your needs. That's why I've stopped counting here at Thrive the number of times when I've had people come up to us and go, hey, I just sense that God wants me to give this to the church and it's a significant kind of offering. Them not knowing that we had a need at that time that was exactly the amount that we needed for it. I've Stop counting the amount of times that that's happened. It's because God is a God who anticipates our needs because he loves you and me. Amen. Amen. How about you? How good are you at anticipating the needs of the people in your life? See, growing up in Canada, 
watching and playing a little bit of hockey, one of my heroes was Wayne Gretzky. Arguably, many people call the greatest hockey player of all time. And one of the things that made Wayne Gretzky such an incredible hockey player is that he was able to anticipate where a teammate was going. Not just where they were at the moment, but where they were going, and he would send the puck there. And as a result, because he's able to anticipate where they were going, not just where they were, but where they're going, he was able to assist on more goals than any other person in hockey history. And see, what do the best hockey players and the best lovers of people have in common? Is that they anticipate. They anticipate. And likewise, I pray that you would be someone in the lives of other people who anticipates the needs of others so that you can reach out to them and respond to their needs, maybe even before they ask, because in so doing, you'll be a a hall of fame caliber lover of people. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. That's the first way that we can learn about God's love for us. God's love anticipates our needs. Number two, the second lesson we learned from Christmas about God's love, God's love builds bridges. See, often when we see someone in need who is far away from us or really different from us or really distant from us, oftentimes our first inclination is to think, why should I even bother doing anything? They're way too far away. We're way too different. Why should I even bother? And if you don't believe me, just think of the people in your life where maybe you used to be close, but because of distance, you know, because it's not convenient anymore, you guys aren't really in contact anymore. Or people that you're so different from at work and you're kind of like, why does it even bother reaching out to that person? They're so different from me. Or maybe people that you used to be close to, but then something happened, you're distant now because of it. And you're like, why should it even bother? See, let me tell you this. For God, distance wasn't an excuse to stay away. Distance was a reason to reach out. And when we were distant from God, when there was an infinite gap between us and God, when God saw that there was this huge distance between us and where he was, God saw our differences, not as a reason to give up on us, but as a reason to reach out and find common ground. And that's why he sent Jesus Christ. Romans 5 verse 8 says it this way, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we could not be more different from God who was without sin, while there was that biggest difference, that that incredible difference between us and God, God made a way to build a bridge to us because that's the love of God, because love builds bridges, amen? And see, Christmas is when God built a bridge to us when we couldn't get to him. And see, that's why Jesus came. It was to bring two very different parties together who used to be very distant and bring them close. You're going to find this very often. Pride burns bridges, but love builds bridges. Very often that's the case. Very often pride burns bridges, but love builds them up. Here's a question for you today. Is there someone in your life that you're not getting along with right now? Someone that you find is so different from you and you, maybe you're just really distant for maybe reasons that are beyond your control or you're just diff- it's just difficult to reach them right now. Maybe, just maybe, God doesn't want you to see that distance or that difference as an excuse to give up, but maybe, just maybe, it's a reason to reach out even more. Amen? Amen. That's the second way that we learn about how God loves from Christmas. Number three, God's love gives selflessly and sacrificially. God's love gives selflessly and sacrificially. I was talking to a couple friends last night about how they had left their own home country, which was comfortable for them. And they came here to Canada so their kids could have more opportunities here because it was for them that they came over. And see, yeah, that's, that's love of parents. And maybe some of you guys can relate is that, you know, your parents brought you here, not because it was comfortable for them, but because they wanted you to have a better life. 
And, and you know what? Christmas is when God selflessly and sacrificially gave us the most precious gift of all. It's his son, Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says it this way. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. See, God so loved that he gave. And see, loving people are giving people. Or as one of my mentors would say, is that you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. That's because love by nature gives. You can't really be a lover of people without being someone who gives. Lust, on the other hand, is the opposite. Lust is all about me, me, me. It's about how can I take? How can I get from this person? How can I use this person for my own interest, my own means, or my own agenda? That's lust. Lust focuses on how can I be blessed. Love says, how can I be a blessing? And see, you know, don't get me wrong, you know, in any close long-term relationship, there needs to be a healthy give and take. But what I'm talking about is this, what is your main orientation with the people in your home? What is your main orientation when it comes to the way you deal with people, you know, in church or you deal with people generally? Are you a taker or are you a giver? Are you someone who wants to be a blessing or are you just folks on just being blessed? You know, can, can I make a confession to you guys? Ever since our kids were born, um, you know, between Charlene and me, I have never had to wake up in the middle of the night or early in the morning to take care of a crying baby. I've never had to do that. Some of you, your jaws just dropped right now. You're like, are you kidding me? You lucky son of a king. You know, you're just like, oh my goodness. And see, here's the thing. It's because, you know why? Do you guys know why I've never had to take on a midnight shift or an early morning shift? It's because Charlene, my wife, takes every night shift and every early morning because she would rather that I be alert and awake for you guys so I could be at my best and she'll, she'll take on every difficult shift, whether it's super early in the morning or super late at night. That's her selfless, sacrificial love, amen? That's incredible to me. And see, that's, just, that's the way she gives. And, and see, here's the thing. Jesus gives that way too. Jesus gave not only to be a blessing, Jesus gave until it hurt. Jesus, in fact, gave until he died. You know, John 15, 13 says, greater love has known than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. That's the love of God for you. See, if you ever have to question your worth or wonder how much you matter to anyone at all, all you need to do is look at the cross where Jesus died. Because on the cross where Jesus died, God stretched out his arms and said, this is how much I love you. I love you with everything that I, get, I have. And so I give you everything I have. It's because God loves you with a selfless and sacrificial love. Oh, come on. Can you give God a big hand this place together right now? Praise God. That's the love of God. He loves you selflessly and sacrificially. Number four, lesson four about God's love that we can learn from Christmas. God's love doesn't just give, but God's love forgives and doesn't hold grudges. See, back in November 8th of 1987, in Ireland, the town of Enniskillen, they were about to hold their annual Remembrance Sunday service in honor of those who'd served in the British Armed Forces. But a few minutes right before that Remembrance ceremony was about to start, there was a bomb that was planted by a group called the IRA. And that bomb went off, buildings collapsed, and people were killed. There was about 11 people who were killed and another 64 who were injured in that bombing. Among those who were hurt in the bombing was a man called Gordon Wilson. Gordon Wilson and his daughter, they were in one of the buildings that collapsed when the bomb went off. And so both Gordon Wilson and his daughter Marie are caught in the rubble and they're you know, basically you know, trapped under the rubble of this building that's been collapsed. And, and they're buried under there, unable to move. Gordon Wilson you know, holds his daughter's hand as she's laying under the rubble. 
And Gordon Wilson said her last words were, Daddy, I love you very much. And five minutes later, rescuers, they pulled Gordon Wilson and Marie out from the rubble, but it was too late. Marie never gained consciousness, and she died later in the hospital. And in an interview with the BBC, Gordon Wilson described with anguish that last conversation that he had with his daughter and the feelings he had toward the people who killed her. She, and, and, and he writes this, he said, or he said this, he said, she held my hand tightly and gripped me as hard as she could. She said, daddy, I love you very much. Those were her exact words to me. And those were the last words I ever heard her say, but I bear no ill will. I bear no grudge. Dirty sort of talk is not going to bring her back to life. She's dead. She's in heaven and we shall meet again. I will pray for those men tonight and every night. See, hours after terrorists had killed his daughter, Gordon Wilson spoke these words of forgiveness. And you might be like, that's unbelievable that a father would even say those kind of words. But you gotta understand the impact of that. You know, people at that time, they were ready to take up weapons in revenge against the people who'd set that bomb. But the moment they heard those words over the radio and on the TV, it, it, it shocked them and it stopped their advance. And for many people, Gordon Wilson's words were a turning point for the nation of Ireland. Jonathan Barton, he's a historian who's dedicated his career to studying the conflict that happened in Northern Ireland in the 1980s. He says, no words in more than 25 years of violence in Northern Ireland had such a powerful emotional impact. See, Gordon Wilson, he was a devout Christian. And in a time when so many people were using religion, doing things in the name of religion, awful things in the name of religion, not because they really believe what they believe, but they were just kind of using it for some other purpose. He there, Gordon Wilson, was displaying what true Christian faith is all about. And he was expressing love and forgiveness in just phenomenal, incredible ways. You might think, that is crazy. How could anyone do that? If someone did that to my kid, would I be that way? I don't know. But then I'm going to tell you this, that's God's love for you. Is that when our sins set off a bomb that caused God's own son to be killed on the cross, God said, I forgive you. It was God extending forgiveness to us, even though we didn't deserve it. And see, remember, we were the ones who offended God. And yet God took the initiative to make peace with us. It's an incredible, forgiving love that holds no grudges. That is the love of God for you and for me. Colossians 3.13 says this. It says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Here's a question for you today. Is there someone in your life that you need to forgive? Is there someone in your life that you still hold a grudge toward that you need to forgive today? You ought to understand what forgiveness is. Oftentimes you hear the Bible saying, you know, you got to forgive, but you got to understand why the Bible says forgive. When you forgive, the person that you're trying to benefit is not really the person who hurt you. The person that's supposed to benefit when you forgive is you, is that you can be released from the past. You can be released from the anger so that you can move on with life. Because the, 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 the longer you hang on to that anger, that bitterness, that vengefulness, it's going to kill you from the inside out. And see, God didn't make for us to live that way. You don't need to go into 2022 a bitter person, but you can leave the anger behind in 2021 and move on to something better in 2022 because God's love is a forgiving love. God's love is a love that holds no grudges. Maybe you're here and you're haunted by a mistake that you made or a decision you made that you still regret. You're like, oh, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I made that decision. I feel so bad. You're like, I can never forgive myself. I'm here to let you know God God's love 
is greater than anything else. And if God could forgive you, then hopefully that is one motivation to say, maybe I can forgive myself as well. And if you need help in that area, need help in terms of forgiving others or being forgiven yourself, then we encourage you to take Thrive Disciple School Level 2. Talk about growing your relationship with God. You can sign up for that at mythrive.info. But that's the love of God for you and for me. It's how he loves us with a forgiving love that holds no grudges. And we learn that from Christmas. Last lesson we learn about love from Christmas that we'll talk about today. Number five, God's love is constant and unconditional. God's love for you is constant and unconditional. You know, maybe you grew up in an environment, in a home, uh, in a place where love was always conditional. That only if you met certain requirements, only if you behaved a certain way, only if you performed a certain way would you be loved, accepted, you know, welcomed, you know, and incorporated, you know, and, and because of that, you've always felt like love is something that you need to earn. And the, the amazing thing about God is God's love is unconditional. And it doesn't go up and down with the seasons of your life, but God's love is unchanging. It is constant. And see, why is it that Jesus Christ at Christmas will be born in a royal palace, or not in a royal palace, or not in a five-star hotel, but he'd be born in a manger, in like a dirty, dark, stinky, messy manger? Why? Why is it that Jesus' parents were not among the most rich, powerful elite in Jerusalem, but there were these lowly peasants living in a small, poor town called Nazareth that no one ever heard of? Why is it that the first people who got word of the announcement of the birth of Jesus were not influential politicians or popular celebrities. Why? It's to show you that your life doesn't need to be all put together before God's willing to come close to you. That God's love for you is an unconditional and constant love. Nothing you can do can make God love you more. And nothing you've done can make him close the door. He loves you at your best and he loves you the same at your worst because it's a constant, unconditional love that God has for you. And for me, if you believe that, say amen. And see, Isaiah 54 verse 10 says it this way. It says, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. See, though the mountains be shaken, maybe some stuff has been shaken in your life this past year. Maybe you've lost people that you loved. Maybe some major changes that you didn't expect happened in your life. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, my unfailing love in your life will not be shaken, says Jesus. And see, Christmas is proof that God's love for you is constant and unchanging. You know, I don't know if you did any gift exchanges this past Christmas with others. I did a gift exchange and uh, I wasn't super excited about the gift I got because I guess, I don't know, maybe I should be, but, but you know, I, I, I got an umbrella. I got an umbrella. It's not this umbrella, but it was another umbrella. It was one of those cool upside down umbrellas. And, and you know, it was a gift exchange. It was like one of those random white elephant ones. And so it wasn't intended for me. It was just kind of whoever wanted. Uh, and so yeah, praise God. I, I, I'm happy with the umbrella. I'll take it. But, and I'll, I'm especially happy with the umbrella because it's a reminder of something that I often think about, which is that many years ago I was in church and just you know, still had so many questions about the Bible, about God, about faith. But one thing that really struck me when I'd be at church every time is this idea that God loves me unconditionally that there's no conditions to God's love, that God just loves you. You don't have to earn it. He just loves you because he loves you because that's who God is. And you know, this idea that God would love you so much, love me so much that he would die on the cross to pay for my sins. To me, that just got me in a way that has you know, impacted me to this day. And you know, I remember that, that service, the, the preacher asked, does anyone want to receive the unconditional love of God and the forgiveness that Jesus made possible on the cross? I remember I raised my hand to ask for Jesus to forgive my sins and the pastor there, he led me in a prayer to receive Jesus into my life. 
And if you would ask me years and years later, practically speaking, since making that decision to ask Jesus in my life, what difference does Jesus make in my life? One of the things I would point to is an umbrella. It's because like an umbrella, and I know, you know this is uh, an umbrella indoors. I know some people think it's bad luck to open uh, umbrellas indoors. That's okay. God is with us. All good. So here we go. I'm going to open this umbrella right here. All right. There you go. All right. Hey, we're all good. We're all good. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, here's the thing. We like using umbrellas in Vancouver. We're, we're used to using umbrellas in Vancouver. And see, what does an umbrella do? See, an umbrella doesn't keep the storm from coming, but umbrella helps to keep you safe in the storm. An umbrella doesn't change what's in front of you, but it helps you see more clearly what's in front of you. An umbrella is something you use to shelter yourself, but you can also use to shelter other people. In fact, you can say it's always more romantic to be under an umbrella than just walking hand in hand in the sunlight. And it's with that in mind that, you know, 14 years ago, uh, my wife and I, we, we made this decision to move back to Vancouver. We were living in Taiwan at the time, and, you know, we've been living for a number of years, very settled there now, you know, where our, like Charlene's family was there, her parents were there, her brother was there, our extended family is there, we had good jobs there, we we're really connected to our church there. And when we sensed that it was time for us to come back to Vancouver, um, it was one of those things where I knew it would be a major adjustment for both of us. We both knew that. And, you know, as a way to kind of let Charlene know that, you know, through the changes that happen in our lives, through the different ups and downs and the adjustments we'd make, that, you know, I'd be there for her. The fact is this, I, I can't cook like some of you guys do. I can't fix stuff like some of you guys do. I'm not techie like a lot of you guys are. Uh, you know, I can't sing like, you know, CC can. I can't, uh, I can't, you know, do, you know, musical talents like some of the musicians that you heard today. But, but there's just, sometimes I'll write songs. And inside, I write a song to communicate this idea that, you know, through the changes that we go through, God is here with us, and I'm here for her. And uh, so it's a song about an umbrella. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a song that I still sing to Charlene from time to time, but I thought maybe just today, could I share it with you? I share this maybe once a year, so for those of you who know it, you probably you know, can sing along by this point, but I just want to share this song, and I want to share it for two reasons. The first reason is because it's talking about a constant, unconditional love. I want to tell you today, I want to thank each and every one of you throughout church for being the most amazing, most courageous, most resilient, most supportive, most faith-filled and faithful, and most encouraging family we could ever ask for. I know this has been an uncertain year for all of us uh, for so many different reasons, but you have never given up, and you have stayed constant in your dedication, your passion, and your love for Jesus, and we are so incredibly proud of you, and just want to say thank you for being such an amazing church family. Uh, and, that, and secondly, as those of you who right now are going through an uncertain time, I'm here to let you know that through all the ups and downs that you may be experiencing now in the future, that God's love never changes and that God will love you through this time. He won't just see you through the time. He won't just walk you through the time. He won't just help you through the time, but he will love you through it. He loves you with an everlasting, unconditional, and constant love. And so with that in mind, I'm going to share this song. Is it okay if I share this song with you? Is that okay? Is that all right? Okay. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Ryan to share this right now. Thank you. All right. So my voice is kind of shot. <clears throat> You'll have to kind of forgive me. haven't really practiced this either, but hopefully, hopefully you get the point. This song is called All My Life. And, and the words go like this. It goes, all my life, just as the shore holds up the tide, I'm here to hold you when you cry, and I'll never leave your side. And all my life, I'm your umbrella in the rain until the sun comes out again. You can count on me for sure uh, all my life. Uh, and so that's a part of how that goes. And I'll just quickly share it with you right now.
all my life. Just like the shore holds up the tide, I'm here to hold you when you cry, and I will never leave your side. All my life, I'm your umbrella in the rain. Until the sun comes out again, and you can't hold on to me for sure, baby. All my life. The verse goes like this: I cannot promise clouds won't come, or that you'll never see a storm. But I can say I love you all my life. I cannot promise you the world, or that you'll never shed a tear. But I can say I'll keep you safe with me. For years ago, I said I would love you for a lifetime, and on this day, I feel. Like I love you more than ever, all my life. Just like the shore holds up the tide, I'm here to hold you when you cry, and I will never leave your side. All my life, I'm your umbrella in the rain. Until the sun comes out again, you can't hold on to me for sure, baby. All my life. All right, can we give God a big hand? Praise God. Praise God. You know the reason again I share this with you is to let you know that God's love for you is a constant and unconditional love. That God is going to see you through whatever it is that you go through in 2022. That you can count on His love for sure. That He's your umbrella in the rain until the sun shines again. And here's the thing: is COVID will not be forever. Omicron will not be forever. But God's love is forever, so you don't need to live in fear. You don't need to be afraid. Whatever you may be going through today, you can count on God to love you through it. Return neighbor and say, "God will love you through it." God will love you through it. He will love us through it. Here's a question for you today: Have you received this umbrella called a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? See, I should let you know that a relationship with Jesus is very much like an umbrella in the ways we just talked about, but it's also different from an umbrella. Is that it's different from your normal umbrella? See, you're going to use an umbrella maybe once in a while here in Vancouver, from time to time. But a relationship with God is something you're going to use every single day of your life. A relationship with God is not an accessory; it's a necessity. You know, a relationship with God is you know unlike a normal umbrella, and that a normal umbrella is pretty cheap. You can get one of these for what twenty bucks at London Drugs. But a relationship with Jesus is the most expensive gift you could ever ask for. It's paid for by the precious blood of Jesus, and you can't buy it anywhere. You can only receive it as a gift. And you know, other umbrellas will wear out, and you're gonna need to throw it out, and and you and you won't use it again. But a relationship with God is something that you will use every day of your life, and it never wears out. It lasts forever, and you'll never need to look for a replacement anywhere else. It's because there's nothing like the relationship with God that you can have through Jesus Christ. How do you receive this umbrella called a relationship with Jesus? It's as simple as praying a prayer, which I'd love to lead you in right now.
Maybe you're here today, maybe you're here today and you realize that this message is for you. You realize today that you need to receive the forgiveness that God made possible when Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And you've never opened up your heart to Jesus before. Maybe your first time in a church, or maybe you've been to church before, but you've never opened up your, your heart to Jesus. I want you to, on this last Sunday of 2021, to make this a moment that really counts in your life, is that if you want to make peace with God today, and have a relationship with God, not that you earn by your own merit, but one that was given to you by God's amazing grace, then I want to encourage you to give this a try right now. Is would you pray a prayer with me to receive Jesus Christ into your life? You know, what you can do is you can click the, uh, the, the link that's in your chat room, or you can scan the QR code that's on your screen. And when you do that, when you click that link, when you scan that code, it's going to take you to a page with a prayer on it. It's a very simple prayer. And when you pray that prayer, it's not so much your you know, words as much as the attitude of your heart, but if you mean that prayer, then you know, that is a very simple way of asking Jesus to come into your life to forgive your sins and to start a new relationship with him. And so if that's you, I encourage you to do that right now. Click that link, scan that QR code, and know that so that you're not doing this alone because you're not alone. I'm going to pray this prayer with you. In fact, we're all going to pray it with those who are praying for the first time. Uh, and so if you're here, wherever you're watching the service, if you realize that you need Jesus in your life today, I encourage you just to open up your heart right now. Click that link, scan that QR code. And we're just going to pray this prayer together as a way to invite Jesus Christ and his unfailing, unconditional, constant, you know, forgiving, sacrificial, selfless love to fill your life today. If that's you and you realize you need Jesus, you need his love in your life, why don't you pray this prayer with me right now and say, Dear Jesus, thank you that because you love me, you died on the cross to pay for my sins. You rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart and I ask you, please forgive me of all my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I place my trust not in what I do, but in what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise God. Right now, if you prayed that prayer and you meant that prayer, then according to the Bible, you are forgiven of your sins. You are you know, a child of God. You're a citizen of heaven. You have a relationship with God that no one can ever take away from you. And so big congratulations to you, those who prayed that prayer just now. Uh, in fact, can we give a big congratulations to those of, who prayed that prayer just now? We've got some gifts to give to you. You can go to the bottom of that page that you prayed that prayer on. There's a link to some gifts that we'd love to just encourage you in your new relationship with God. On top of that, we encourage you to keep coming to church. Every baby needs a family to grow up in. We'd love to be your spiritual family. On top of that, we encourage you to get baptized. Baptism is not a graduation. Baptism is a beginning. It's you simply saying, I know I'm a, I'm a sinner who needs a Savior, and I thank Jesus for dying on the cross for me. If you'd like to get baptized, encourage you to do so. It's your next natural step after you're receiving Jesus. Encourage you to go to mythar.info and press the baptism button for more info on baptism. We'd love to help you out with that as well. Praise God. What an amazing final Sunday of 2021 we've had. The best is yet to come. We're going to sing. We're going to worship God. After that, some important announcements as we go into this new year. You don't want to miss it. So right now, uh, we're going to ask the band to, to, to lead us. In this. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Thrive Church. My name is Kathy, and it's so great to be here with you guys today virtually from wherever it is you're watching. I hope you guys had a Merry Christmas. I don't remember the last time we've had a white Christmas here in Vancouver, and it was so pretty. Anyways, before I let you guys go, I have a few announcements for you. 
If it's your first time here, we would love to get to know you better, so please text me to 604-285-5770 or visit MyThreadInfo and we'll mail you your very own Thrive Stainless Steel water bottle. If you pray the prayer with Pastor JB earlier to receive Jesus Christ in your life today, congratulations! We have a gift package for you and we'll send you a series of videos that will help answer some questions about Christianity. Please text BELIEVE to 604-285-5770 or visit MyThrive.info. If you recently joined us here at Thrive, I would like to invite you to meet our pastors on Zoom after service on January 16th at 1.30pm. It will be the perfect opportunity to meet new friends and ask questions. Our lead pastors, Pastor JB and Pastor Charlene, will also be there personally to meet and greet you. Sign up is available at MyThrive.info. Thrive Discipleship School Level 1 is an online course for those of you who are new to Thrive and want to know who we are, what we believe in, and what Thrive Church is all about. This is a one-hour course and is happening on Wednesday, January the 19th. For more information and to sign up, visit MyThrive.info. So if you've taken TDS 1 and TDS 2 and would like to learn more about how God created you and how can you use your ability to serve God and build His church, then I invite you to join TDS Level 3. TDS 3 is a six-week course, fully online and easily accessible. To learn more about it and to sign up, please visit MyThrive.info. That's it for this week. I hope you all have a great day. Don't forget to give your tithes and offerings online at MyThrive.info. I will see you all next week online at 9.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. Happy New Year! Bye!